Thank you for downloading the Inspire Me Lecture podcast, brought to you by the University of the West of England. In this podcast, we are joined by Tom Willard, CEO and co-founder of Bunk. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Welcome to today's Inspire Me Lecture. I'm Melissa Lewis, Head of Student Communications here at UWE. Our speaker today is Tom Willard, who will talk about startup life. Tom studied economics at UWE. This is his three-year story from starting Bunk at UWE to being valued over £7 million in 2020. Bunk was formed by a bunch of students while at university, and Tom will talk about how they came up with the idea, raised their initial investment, and grew to be one of the most promising startups across the country, all with his closest friends. We'll be recording this lecture, so it'll be available in our speaker library. I'm delighted to pass over to Rob. Thanks for that, um, Alicia. Well, nice to meet you all. Um, I'm Tom Willard, say 26, and I'm a recent economics graduate. Um, I have to say I was a bit surprised when they asked me to do one of the talks for the Inspire Me series. Um, well, why in short? I didn't think I was that inspiring. Um, I also have no clue why they trusted me to deliver such a mature talk. Um, I'm literally going to use a poo emoji in my first slide. Um, look, if I take you back a bit, my mum would always say I'm opinionated, argumentative and need to think before I speak. Um, luckily, she's not based in Bristol and hopefully she will never see me try and do this presentation. Um, but today I'll talk you through a little bit about my journey from sort of idea to where we are today. Um, in reality, no one wants to hear me talk about the last four years of my life. So I've sort of pulled together some of the highlights um, to talk through with you. So I told you I was going to start with a poo emoji um, and I'll sort of take you back and set the scene a little bit. Well, look, everyone has a nightmare story to do with renting. And if not directly themselves, they know somebody that does. Um, now, whether or not that's getting ripped off as a tenant by dodgy agents trying to charge, you know, stupid hidden fees and taking your deposits, or whether or not that's a landlord getting ripped off by a, you know, poor yet ridiculously expensive process. Um, so why do I personally have a sort of disdain for, um, for agents? Well, they tried to steal my whole deposit at university. Um, now, I'm not, you know, some rich git who has a personal deposit of £3,000. There was five of us living in a, living in a house. Um, the problem is it was a, you know, it was a classic rundown student digs. You know, there were marks all over the walls, holes on the carpets and a lingering smell of smoke. I mean, no, the smoke was the letting agent um, smoking really cigarette whilst showing us around the property. So to give you a better picture, this place was on Park Street, um, like three doors up from Agora. Um, so I had the wonderful sounds of drum and bass in my ears for the early hours in the morning, um, which just stopped before I woke up for my internship at 6am. Um, you know, I make it sound all sort of, you know, down and gloomy, but in reality, we had the cross socials at my place every single Wednesday. Um, so I was self-inflicting quite a lot of my pain. Um, getting back on track, I couldn't quite believe they were trying to take my whole deposit. You know, I was pissed off, angry and wanted to do something about it. You know, like my mum said, I'm argumentative and opinionated. So what does an opinion, opinionated and argumentative student do with way too much time on their hands? Um, well, I wrote them a 2000 word email slash essay um, outlining why all of their charges were bogus, um, except for the table which got smashed up um, in one of those lacrosse prees. So I referred all of my issues in this email back to the, you know, the Rent Act of 1977. Um, which between us I still haven't read yet, but I think I put in enough legal jargon um, to really get their attention. So, you know, they came back to me saying they've, um, you know, passed my concerns on to their legal team um, and will come back to me shortly. I mean, what a win initially. Um, you know, first of all, they were trying to take all my money, so I sufficiently went back to them, wasting a hell of a lot of their time um, and costing them additional legal fees. Um, Ultimately, the lawyers must have been sort of given a heads up by my mum on my argumentative skills as they backed down pretty quickly, um, came back and reduced the charges. That one email saved us £2,750. The only thing we paid for was that broken table. Um, so I guess that really got me thinking, you know, how is, how is the rental market so broken? Um, I physically just couldn't understand how we built, you know, these great technological solutions for so many little aspects in our lives, yet there was nothing there for renting. Um, you know, the, the two weeks of holiday we go away on a year are covered by Airbnb, but who's there to help the 50 weeks that we're actually going through the property that we're living in? Um, you know, the leading cause of stress and anxiety for those under 30, it was a, it was a market that really needed some attention. 
So that's when I started really looking at what these sort of, I guess, successful tech companies really did, you know, and, and how they've taken these, I guess, painful, arduous processes um, with filled with all these various micro tasks and just broken them down into very simple to use technology. Um, you know, it's much more complex than that, but it's all about creating the perfect user experience going through this sort of journey. Um, now, with 16,500 different letting agents operating around the UK, all acting as middlemen in this sector, and with over £5 billion spent in just the UK market alone, with absolutely no trust between a landlord and their renter, um, the long-term rental market was ultimately ripe for disruption. So I visioned this sort of huge ecosystem um, where everything to do with you and your home was taken care of. You know, no more shitty paperwork, no more going in and out of your letting agency branches, but instead replaced with a fully digital journey where you, the renter, is, is put in control. You know, you can search, sign and secure your next home and even sort out all your bills with a tap of a button. Um, to take that a step further, you know, we were envisioning this world where you even could order a you know, dry cleaning service or a concierge to go out and get you some food 24-7 from the local shop. Um, you know, it was a fantastic idea we were sat there, but ultimately there was, I think that was probably one quite big problem um, I had with all of this. I had no clue how to code. Um, and it turns out it was a pretty big problem because there was no way I could turn my idea into reality without being able to code. Everything I was looking at designing and envisioning was a tech startup and I didn't have the ability to build technology. Um, but luckily, I, uh, I had just the right person in mind. So yes, I'm showing you a photo of me on a walk at probably about 10 or 12 years old with Harry. Um, Harry's one of my you know, closest childhood friends, um, an absolute sort of, I guess, you could call him a nerd, but he's not, not just a nerd. Um, he had started teaching himself coding in his spare time and then went on to one of these professional boot camps. Um, and, you know, if any of you are interested in these sort of boot camps, there are some fantastic courses out there that will ultimately turn you into a professional coder in three months. Um, you know, Harry went through it and then taught in the next cohort and off the back of that came and joined us. Um, and we've hired people through these courses since. So they are really a fantastic resource if that's a career you're looking at getting into. Um, so together with Harry and Jack, my best mate at uni, who was the one that we, we you know, ultimately were dissecting Uber's business model in a club at 3am, um, Bunk was born. Um, so ultimately, we're in a position where, you know, we, we had someone who just about, you know, had the, I guess, core foundations being able to code. Um, we had all the ideas in the world, um, but these were all pretty expensive ideas. Um, so I guess came along the next problem. We needed cash. Um, we we're all about to graduate from university, needed to get jobs and had absolutely no money to start Bunk with. Um, during this time, we didn't even really have the money to stay in Bristol. Uh, but we knew that with, you know, Jack going back to Plymouth, Harry going up to London and me, well, I didn't really know what I was going to do at this stage. Uh, but if we'd all gone off in our separate ways, there's no way Bunk would have got off the ground. Um, so luckily through some, I guess, some grit and networking and, and leaning on a lot of friends and good Samaritans, um, we, uh, we were sort of sofa surfed across sort of two, three months in Bristol, staying in various locations, jumping from weeks of, you know, three days at a friend onto three days at a friend. Um, the problem is the more and more time we spent working on Bunk, the more we realised that, you know, we didn't need a little bit of money, but ultimately we need a huge amount of money. Um, if we were going to be able to take this seriously, um, then we had to be working on it full time. And in order to be able to work on it full time, we had to be able to pay our own bills to be able to actually commit to the business. Um, we also needed to be able to afford to bring on a couple of other people working with us as we had quite a large ambition to disrupt a multi-billion pound industry. Um, turns out just three people, it's quite a struggle to do all the work that needs to be done. So when you start calculating, you know, the few small salaries to get things going, the equipment, the software costs, the licensing fees and so on, it really starts adding up. And I think before we realised we needed in excess of £100,000 just to be able to get bunk off the ground. Um, luckily, we had a fantastic mentor in London who is sort of mentoring myself and Jack throughout our final year at university. Um, and as we were graduating, we managed to secure a couple of investment meetings up in London. Now, they started going quite well. We had a, a few firms that we were meeting with sort of follow up meetings. Um, and then luckily, we sort of struck gold. You know, we, we had an offer on the table for £150,000. And, you know, when I when I look back at this, it still doesn't sort of seem real. I guess this was the real moment that changed all of our lives. 
um, and made the journey that we were about to go on possible. Um, and after almost a sort of year of iterating, working on the idea, the market, the business plan, we finally had an investor that wanted to back us and bring Bunk to life. I couldn't have been more ecstatic. Um, you know, then I checked the mail and to my excitement, I think we had our first ever bit of mail to Bunk App Limited. You know, you probably, I probably felt like a child when they get their first bit of mail through the post. Um, you know, receiving your first bit of letter, I sat down to open it up, um, but I was in for quite a surprise. Now, the same day we received that offer for investment, um, we had a global organisation try to shut us down. Uh, so it was a legal letter from a foreign bank informing us that unless we removed any copyright requests for Bunk, um, they would set their army of lawyers on us. Now, I guess I didn't know what to think at the time, but I just remember walking around that room I was borrowing in Bristol, swearing a lot, called up Jack and Harry and said, what the hell do we do? Um, you know, do I do I call the investor back? You know, they've just committed the funds. They're literally sending it to us tomorrow morning. And then I've opened this email, I've opened this mail in the post an hour later. Um, and I just remember, you know, sat there thinking, what do we do? Do, do we wait 24 hours and then give them a call back? Um, and, you know, very quickly we realised we couldn't do that. You know, he had taken an absolute leap of faith to back us. Um, and we knew the only way that we could ever run this business is in a, I guess, transparent manner. Um, and we just, you know, accepted to go into a marriage with him. Um, you know, it's not a long, it's not a short term relationship when you raise money. You know, you're going in with these people to go on a journey with them until the end. Um, so ultimately, I called him straight back and explained the situation. And I just remember sitting there on the call for probably what felt like an eternity of just silence, waiting to hear what he was going to say. You know, is he going to pull all the investment and run away? Um, you know, I, I had no idea. Although I will never forget the words he said to me, you know, I know Bink Bank, let's take those fuckers down. What a legend, you know, he told me not to worry forward all the legal paperwork to him and his team. Um, and from that moment onwards, I never heard from Bink Bank again. So I think when you sort of, I guess, reflect on that whole scenario, um, it was definitely the right thing to do at the time and it definitely set us up for not just the right relationship, for the right way of running this business moving forward. Um, he transferred the money the next day and then we were on the sort of, I guess, the starting starting stages of our journey. So we we're in a position where we had some money now. Um, we had some people, but we had zero products. You know, we had a business plan and we had some eager minds together. Um, and I was lucky enough to fall across launch space. You know, this is, I think, just as I was sort of sitting my final exams then coming out of the cafeteria at UE, you know, look up and they've got one of these posters on the side, um, you know, got a business you'd like to launch, come have a chat with us. And it was almost like fate that I'd just raised money for a business. Um, so I was lucky to fall across launch space, headed up by Mark and Kim, as you can see there. Um, and, you know, LaunchBase was ultimately a, um, a newly launched UE-backed startup accelerator, you know, based in the robotics lab on campus. And they were encouraging people to, you know, start their new business if they've got an idea, an entrepreneurialism sort of venture. Um, and they were going to provide you with free office space, mentoring, um, and almost give you that sort of, I guess, space to get everything off the ground from day one. So that's exactly what they did with us. You know, they helped us, you know, they, they nurtured us and provided us with that office space. So I spent four years up at the university and then I spent another year and a half at the robotics lab building my business. Um, but yeah, so we spent 18 months in there, which was fantastic, not having to sort of one pay for that space, but two, the mentorship and the professionalism around there. You know, you were learning from people who'd been there and done it. You know, Mark, for instance, he'd been there, he's, he's raised millions of pounds for previous startups, um, including very early stage companies raising millions of pounds before they've even taken their first penny of revenue. Um, so it, it gave us that space to really build our first version of Bunk, test it with the markets, get some really good feedback to then be sort of growing out that team and vision. Um, and in the process, we ended up sort of raising some more follow on investment, which allowed us to scale our operations, um, bring in a couple of more developers and start really building Bunk out. So I guess what is Bunk? Um, ultimately, this is, a, this is a video we made a, a couple of years ago now um, I'm just going to show you that I think explains a little bit of what we do.
synopsis as to what we're building in the background. Um, we spent a lot of time building since. Let me just jump onto that next slide. Um, so then you realise everything starts to evolve and I, I guess the next couple of slides I'll talk to you about I guess how you know you start somewhere small and I guess that idea starts iterating um, but ultimately you've got to stay very resilient and have a huge amount of passion towards that goal. Things will start to improve, things will start to iterate and things will start to get better. Um, so this is ultimately a bit of an evolution of our logo. Um, you know, this was the, one of the journeys we went on in that sort of first year when we were just really working on our brand. Um, and you can see from the disgusting left-hand side of all the mixture of various logos we were working on, and that's not even, you know, a third of them. Um, you know, all these iterations, the cup in the middle that we ended up working in and around for, um, for a few months and editing our, our brand in line. Um, and then the final logo that we ended up sort of settling on. Um, and ultimately you can see that transformation they've gone on and the sort of clarity of our brand that we're trying to get across throughout, always trying to keep it relevant to some sort of property or connotation um, so that instantly people will recognise our brand with what we do. Um, and, you know, I, I guess one of the other things to lean on is, is using your resources. Like, you know, this was in the early days when there was only three of us, but we had about, I don't know, 15 people working on the business because we had so many sort of friends that were talented to be able to add value in different areas. Um, like, for instance, all these logos were actually done by my sister, which is, you know, she's a pretty talented graphic designer. Um, and she she went on that journey with us right at the beginning and did some of our initial designs um, before going back to, you know, finish off her university degree. Um, the next stage is looking at that product. You know, ultimately, this, this sort of slide shows the steps we go through when building out an app. Um, you know, it's always fun getting everyone together in front of that whiteboard and mapping out everything we do and want to see on a page um, and then putting that into, a, you know, a nice bit of um, sort of, I guess, paper to be mapping out exactly the integral steps that you have to go through to be able to go from one stage to another. Um, then you can end up you know, doing some hand-drawn mock-ups or if we've got a good graphic designer on InDesign, they can sort of put some, you know, loose basic wireframes together. Um, and then you get to that end result when you've got your coders and you've got your whole team involved. And the end result is, I would say normally, but for us pretty much always, um, vastly different to what you've set out to achieve in the first place. You know, hopefully it's kept all the core elements. You know, it does everything you want it to do um, and it's incredibly easy to use. Again, coming back to it, it's all about that user experience. It's all about building that user journey that's almost self-explanatory so a user knows exactly where to click to do exactly what they want to do. Um, and ultimately, if you look at that sort of final screen, which is one of our, um, I think it's our viewings and offers page, you know, you can instantly jump on there, see all the offers you've made on a property, any viewing requests you've made, speak to the landlord, speak to any of your tenant friends that are joining you um, and swap over into, your, into the management stage of the platform as well. So, I mean, this is always a, a funny one to sort of discuss as, as fundraising is far from straightforward. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really proud that since that first £150,000, we've now raised more than 10 times that figure, um, you know, with a valuation over 10 times greater than when we started. Um, and I guess through this journey, we've had a complete mixture of experience, you know, from raising £100,000 in under 24 hours from that first conversation to an investor to the money landing in our bank. Um, to the next scenario of spending six months negotiating a deal with a, with a bank like Nationwide. Um, I mean, Nationwide were a fantastic addition. You know, early last year when Nationwide got involved, it was a fantastic validator for us. You know, they'd, they'd analysed over 9,000 startups across the UK uh, before making an investment into Bunk, which is a, a pretty great accolade for us and our teams have behind us. However, I guess it also meant we need to grow up, grow up a bit. Um, you know, we now had a, a multi-billion pound organisation sat and observing our board. Um, and I'm glad to say we've, um, you know, as you can see, we've now closed some additional funding, um, which means Bunk will only grow from strength to strength in the coming years. Um, I think, 
you know, all of this is underpinned by the most important thing across the whole of your organization. Your greatest asset will always be your team. Um, you know, I started at Bunk with some very, very close friends of mine. And, you know, we've had plenty of ups and downs during that period. It's intense, it's hard work, and you're, you know, you're going to have spats at each other at times, but we're all so close, we'll always pull through. You know, we've had plenty of new friends join and, and come join our journey. Um, and we've had old friends leave, but Bunk will always be a family. And if you've ever sort of, you know, been involved with, with Bunk, anyone involved with Bunk, they'll, they'll be very aware of that. Um, but, you know, we've got to spend, you know, 10, 12 hours a day working together. Um, and therefore, you know, what I'm happy and proud about is the fact that we get to the end of the day and we still want to be out drinking together. Um, I guess this comes on to the fact that a lot of people say don't do business with friends. Um, I think they're inherently wrong. You know, the fact that I get to call up my best friends when we have some good news is insane. You know, they are the exact people I want to talk to about it. And they actually understand because they're living and breathing it with me. They're not just taking that call and saying, yeah, no, I'm really happy for you. Um, so there is no one else on this planet I think I'd rather work with or work for um, or that I would work harder for than my best friends and to sort of achieve this dream together. Um, this is quite a funny slide. My co-founder, Harry, the nerd, put this slide in. Um, I think he's probably taking a dig at me at my now receding hairline. Um, but he's right, you know, the work is endless. I think if anyone was going to stand up here telling you to go start a business and it's going to be easy, they're wrong. Um, if it was easy, everyone would do it and it doesn't stop. Um, you know, it doesn't go away when you go home and you really have to sort of build in, I guess, systems to be able to un unwind and switch off. Um, which is, you know, I guess I'm lucky that I've got very close friends and family, which make that make that a bit easier. Um, but ultimately, on top of all of it, you've got to really enjoy what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Um, you know, it's I think it's been worth every single second starting this business and, and going on this journey we have done to date. Um, like I said, it's, it's work hard. Um, it's hard work. You have to work hard, but it's also, you know, playing hard. We're lucky to be able to go out as a group, go go-karting, ice skating, bowling, and for plenty of meals here and there. And honestly, I'd not change it for the world. I'm incredibly lucky to be going on the journey I'm going on. Um, and I guess the only other thing I've got to say to that is, why not you? Oh, thank you, Tom. That was fantastic. Um, I think we'll go to questions then. Um, okay, I've got one of the questions here. Good video. Um, well, thanks. Um, who is your inspiration to choose this pathway? Um, if you're specifically talking about the video, I think it's a combination of, I mean, at the time, again, we're all obsessed with tech companies in our business. So we, I think we were looking at the way that the likes of Google and Apple do their online advertising and create their videos. Um, actually, that video was made by another UE graduate who's a close friend of ours. We're now using him for all of our videos. Um, so that's that's uh, that was sort of the inspiration behind that one then. Um, I'm consulting for a UK startup at the moment trying to launch a two-sided business. How many property agents did you sign up before launching to consumers? Did you start with Bristol as a launch city? How many cities are you in now? Great question. So ultimately, two-sided marketplaces are, are tough to get off the ground, right? You know, you're selling a product in, selling two different products into two different market segments who both want two completely different things. Um, where we got a bit, I guess, lucky, lucky, I guess, tactical in, in what we were doing in this space is that for us, it's all about really one side of the marketplace. You know, we we partner with the likes of Rightmove, Zoopla on the market and all the other leading portals. So we're not looking to change a tenant's you know, user behavior. You know, you're, you're not going to search on Bunk when you're looking for a property naturally. Um, you're going to go to Rightmove because it's got one of the strongest domains in the whole of the country. So for us, it was all about really working with businesses and landlords to build the supply side of the platform knowing that we could bring in that tenant demand um, into the into the company um, and just to finish that off we since um since we launched last year we're now we're now operating nationwide um have you thought about the implementation of people that may be looking for accessible properties such as wheelchair users yes yeah, so this is actually really interesting something that we've spent a bit more time looking at the back end of last year um, we want to still bring into the platform a bit more this year but ultimately, it's all of those search features to make sure that you can really look for the property that suits you. Um, and to take that step further, it's not just the accessibility within a property, but also looking at our whole website and brand to make sure that it's accessible for, you know, people that may be colorblind or anyone that has sort of, you know, hearing or visual um, problems that we can help. Um, 
when do you know it's the right time to employ new people and grow the business? Uh, I think that's a really good question. You, basically, when you have zero time to do it yourself anymore, um, when it becomes completely overloading. I think we've, you know, we've certainly made mistakes in the past, but one thing that we've known that we need to sort of always go back to um, is the fact that when we've, you know, when we're down in the dumps and we're working on something, we, we need to know exactly how to do that job inside and out before bringing someone in. Otherwise, we have the situation when they come in and, and all of our team stopping to try and get them skilled up um, instead of one of us that actually has been there and done it being able to take them through. So it's, I wouldn't say there's a um, there's a sort of golden answer to when to hire someone, um, but I think you'll know the time. You know, if you've got the money in the bank, if you're really struggling and you're being inundated with inquiries or you've got, um, you know, a situation where you need to be, you know, building out a new product and you don't have the developers or your roadmap to be able to suffice it. Um, there are some pretty sort of, I guess, glaring moments that you realise you just need more people. Um, what sort of hours do we work? I mean, it's it's a, it's a funny one. So we're in the office, um, probably you know, eight thirty till seven o'clock every day. Uh, but we're we're working around that. You know, we we take our work into the evenings. We're working, you know, throughout uh, throughout the evenings. Even if you've got TV on, you'll be on emails. You'll be chatting to each other on our Slack, which is the communication platform we use. Um, and just moving things forward. I think that's that's one of the biggest things about starting your own company is that ultimately it's it's never going to be a, a nine to five job. Um, you mentioned coding boot camps. Any names to share with us? Um, there's, I mean, I, I can follow up the University of the Few, but there's there's one really really good one up in London called General Assembly. Um, that's one that Harry went through, and it's a very very well renowned course. Um, but then there are lots of new ones that are opening up left, right and centre. So um, there's actually one in Bristol. Uh, the name has just jumped away from me, which they won't like me for because we hired someone off the back of it. Um, started by a company called Opus, um, which is a recruitment agency, and they've now set up this subject. It's called Knowledgy. So if you look up Knowledgy around Bristol, they do a coding boot camp and it's three months and they really try and get businesses in with them so that you're building on really practical sort of user cases. Um, and off the back of that, we've actually hired someone off the Knowledgy course um, a couple of months ago. Did you build your business alongside your degree or while you graduated before you started working on Bunk? Funnily enough, I actually registered the business, I remember the date, August the 2nd, 2016. It was when I was on my placement year working the year out of university, but it was that year I got ripped off by letting agents. So I went through that process. I think I spent a couple of months looking at it. We registered the business and then we spent pretty much the whole of our final year slowly moving it forward you know we were building out a business plan we were talking to as many people as possible and we were lucky enough to get a mentor up in London who was sort of pushing us I guess in the right direction um, to be able to uh, do what we needed to do to be able to get it going um, oh sorry someone's just sharing the link to uh, General Assembly definitely go check it out um, where do I go to help design a label interesting is that you wanting to design a startups logo or is that you want a logo designed um ultimately there there are sites like fiverr i never had any good luck off it um but i would say if you're looking to get one designed go to digital marketing or go to graphic design at ue there's some really really talented people there that can help you out half of our team um you know went went to ue and the other half went to various different universities and some didn't go to university um, but ultimately, you know, we've, we've backed a lot of young people who were inexperienced because it's just all about, I guess, potential and not about what they've done to date. Um, how long does it take for your business to get off the ground after investment? I mean, really good question. Personally, I would say our business is, you know, just in the position of taking and at the moment. You know, we've spent the last two, three years laying, laying down these foundations. Um, it takes time. You know, you're never going to get there straight away. Something like Uber, I think Uber started in 2008, you know, we're now in 2020, 12 years they've gone on that journey um, and Uber actually haven't made a penny profit at all today, which is an interesting one. Um, but, you know, it's all about, I think, when you start recognizing, well, when other people start recognizing your brand um, and see what you're doing and sort of mentioning it to you, that's certainly some, you know, a moment that sort of comes back to remember. Um, how do you turn an idea slash plan into something you uh, seriously consider. I've had several hopeful plans for something, but in the end, I've never seriously worked for it. Whether that's because I couldn't get the people I shared the idea with to take it seriously, or because my parents and people I respect dissuaded me from pursuing it due to it being a lower priority than university. Um, I mean, really good question. Networking, networking, networking is the best thing you can do. 
Um, look, I'm more than happy to give up my time. If people want to sort of get in contact with the university and get in touch with me, I'm more than happy to meet people for 15 minutes, half an hour here and there, and just talk about what you guys are doing and what you're looking at doing. Um, but the best thing for me that you can do is speak to other people. You know, speak to as many people as possible to find out if it's got legs. You don't want to be spending three, four years working on something that you're not going to be able to get off the ground. But if you've really got that vision, you can, I guess, visualize a world where your product is everywhere. Um, and it's something that you know is a real problem you're solving. And I think that's the other thing is people look for solutions. Um, I'm all about problems. You know, you want to you want to solve a real problem as opposed to design a solution for something that doesn't necessarily have a big problem. Um, how do you stay resilient when faced with setbacks? Setbacks. Um, oh, friends, family, network, people around you. Um, it, you know, it is tough at times. And you know, I, I'll talk about raising this money, but I haven't put a slide up with how many no's we got on our journey to get there. Um, you know, you're going to get 90 no's before you get a yes. And I think that's just something you've got to get used to. You've got to get used to rejection and feedback and building up that resilience. Um, it only makes you stronger, and therefore, you know, go on a better journey. Um, how's the UK doing in its startup industry compared to other countries currently? Um, I mean, the UK is like a global leader um, with certain startups like FinTech, for instance. We are an absolute global leader in and around. It's something the government wants to be you know, pursuing massively. Um, and then the other side of things. So the difference in the UK and, for instance, US market, which is the most probably comparable, um, UK investors will look at a company like ours and they'll say your valuation's way too high, it's still really risky. If I went out to San Francisco, we'd probably have investors being like, you should be raising 20 million pounds, you're worth 100 million. Um, it's a different market, right? They're willing to take much more risk and just chuck money at a problem. Whereas the UK is much more about, I guess, proving those traction and, and proof points on your journey to be able to unlock that next stage. So I think, you know, it, the, the difference is you probably see Less startups fail in the UK, but less explosive startups as a result. Um, how to get involved with Nationwide? Funnily enough, that was an absolute coincidence. We were at a landlord um, convention, putting on a stool, talking about Bunk. And again, it, it was in that first year where we were just gaining user feedback. We had a very good idea of what we were about to release, and we wanted to know how receptive it would be in the market. We had one landlord come over and start grilling us for about half an hour, and we thought, you're asking some really integral questions here. Um, and it turns out he sort of at the end of it invited us to come meet their venture team and he was a, he was a director over at Nationwide um, and sort of headed up um, one of their teams over there and thought it was a great idea to bring in. We went through sort of I guess 20 stages of pitching, meetings, iterations, lawyers with them and um, off the back of it they came and joined us on our journey. Um, what's it like working with friends? Do you ever fall out over business decisions? Yeah I mean to be honest, though, when I really think about it, we haven't fallen out that much over business decisions because we all we're, we're working together towards a common goal. So there's there's never really been a time where one of us is saying this is what we have to do, or if there is, generally everyone else is agreeing with them. Um, if they're saying this is what we have to do and they don't have the ability to be able to communicate and show the team why we want to go on that journey, then they probably wouldn't make that suggestion in the first place. Um, but it's, you know, it's not easy working with friends. There are certainly times we get frustrated, someone's made a mistake and you, you can't, it's really hard to talk to friends in the same way as someone you don't know, right? Because you have, you're really thinking about your friendship in the back of your mind. And from one side, people say that's a distraction from business. I disagree. It keeps you human. You know, the amount of, um, I remember reading a stat when I was at university, but it's something crazy, like 70% of CEOs are psychopaths. Um, and it's more than like even the percentage of a prison population. And when you start breaking that down, I think one of the main reasons behind that is because you really start to lose empathy. Um, but by, you know, by running a company with my closest friends and even having family involved at times, I think the human element behind Bunk is just always going to be there. Um, and that will hopefully keep me and the whole team grounded as we as we scale. Um, what's the single most important piece of advice that you can offer for someone wanting to start their own company after university? Um, this is a hard one because I don't want to quote Nike, but just do it. Um, networking. I think networking is the biggest thing I could advise people to do because you can literally connect with pretty much anyone on the planet through, you know, digital means nowadays. LinkedIn is one of the most powerful tools out there. You know, whether or not it's connecting with someone else who started a business or an investor out there, but so many people are willing to give you advice. Um, so if you're looking at really seriously starting a, a business, go online and type in, you know, how to build a startup investment deck you'll get a you know you'll get given a 10 slide suggestions which is basically like idea vision mission and then dig into the problem 
um, what your business case is, what the solution is, what the market is, what the competition's like and what your team's like. Put those 10 slides together. Don't worry about it too much. Just bang it together and then go out there and ask people for advice. You know, go find out someone who's either started a business or invests into business and say, look, I would just love to buy you a coffee, get some advice for, for an idea I've got. It might be nothing, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, and you'd be surprised how receptive a lot of people are out there of just helping other people that are motivated and want to go on a journey. Um, one of my advices would be never, never like cold message someone asking for investment. Like if you think or, you know, you've connected with someone on LinkedIn or, or an email introduction to someone that you really even want to raise money from, uh, don't ask them for investment. You know, always ask to meet them, introduce the company and get some advice because, you know, that's your opportunity. You're in front of them for half an hour. You sell them the dream. And if they are a serious investor and they like what they're doing, they won't want to miss out. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have a, a few of our mentors turn around and want to invest in the business when we didn't think they would be. Um, but that's all come from working with us and actually seeing us develop as opposed to just going in there and saying, oh, by the way, you're an investor. Can you invest? That's just an absolute turn off. No one wants to, to deal with someone there. Um, how much profit have you made to date and how's your business still running during the pandemic? Um, we haven't made a profit to date. Um, we probably won't do for another couple of years and then we should be self-sustaining and, and growing profitable from, from uh, our own books. Um, and how's it been running during the pandemic? I mean, it's been a tough year all around. You know, we, we scaled down our team, we're now scaling back up our team. The market completely shut for three months, uh, so I couldn't grow the business and I had to communicate that to shareholders. Um, but I think I, the real opportunity coming off the back of the pandemic is, you know, look, when you walk down the high street at the moment, um, all these shops have disappeared over the last five, ten years. But what's been left beyond the charity shops is letting agents. You know, there's a letting agent or a sales agent every other shop now. What I'm betting my mid-twenties on um, is the fact that in five to ten years time, you'll walk down that high street and they will not be filled with high street letting agents. The whole market will digitise. At the moment, 10% of the professional market is done online. 90% is done, you know, face-to-face, -face, you know, um, you know, through high street agents. And when you look at the transformation and, and COVID, it's only going to cause an accelerated digital transformation. So although in the short term we're impacted, in the long term it's going to lead to a market which is so many, so much more digitised than it is now. You know, all these landlords who have had their letting agents physically shut their door for three months. We've at least had a platform that's available 24-7 that they can log in, speak to their tenants, move things forward, let out properties. Um, you know, during the peak of COVID, we let out a property in under two days without any face-to-face -face contact with the landlord getting in touch with us on Saturday and tenants moving in on Monday. So I, I think technology and the digitization of this space is, is really the opportunity we have moving forward. Um, what was your degree and what are your main duties in the business? Uh, so I studied economics at, um, at UWE and my main duties, it's a really funny one when people ask me that. Um, I guess a lot of it is, is setting that strategy and then implementing it. When you say implementing it, that's making sure that you've got the team and money to be able to finance that um, and, and the team and people to be able to deliver on that. So I would say that everyone I've hired is I'd personally say probably more intelligent and more specialised than me, and that's why I've hired them. Um, I don't want to hire people that are, you know, less intelligent and you know, worse than me. It's all about hiring people that inspire me to come in here every day and to grow as a person. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely say that the team is a big aspect behind that. Um, do you have any advice for students who wants who wish to follow a similar path to yours? Um, oh, that's a funny one. Again, it sort of comes back to that: just do it, networking, putting a deck together. Um, I know. I mean, what I would be more than happy to do off the back of this, if if there is a you know a group of you that are all interested in different ideas, um, we'll we'll meet up or something. We can all grab a coffee, or we can do a virtual thing over Zoom because it's probably more appropriate. Um, and we can have a separate chat, um, just all about tips and and talk through any of your ideas and stuff. Um, do you have any ideas for someone who has a blueprint for a new business but doesn't know where to go from there? Um, I think it's just building out on that blueprint, you know, speak to as many people as you can. If it's not like a, you know, world changing idea that you need to protect with IP. Um, I think my biggest advice to anyone here that's got a business, they want to you know, get the next steps or work it out. Go get in touch with Mark and Kim at Launchspace. They're literally on campus. Um, you know, they're down at the robotics lab. Mark is still one of my advisors today. I speak to him every single week. Um, I, I probably at a point where I'm just annoying him now. Um, but, you know, they've, they've, they've got a fantastic location down there. They've got loads of experience. There's some awesome startups still operating down there. Um, and you'll really get a feel, I think, and, and a buzz for being in and around that environment. And they're, they're certainly better coaches than I am.
Um, did you build your business alongside your degree or when you graduated before you started working on bank? So yeah, it sort of went over that one briefly, but we um, we started it whilst at university, but properly full time as we graduated. Um, best way to network and interact with like-minded people. I mean, before the pandemic, much easier. There's loads of startup sort of networking events around Bristol. Um, get out to them. You know, the Engine Sheds um, near Temple Meads. It's like a sort of startup hub. They've always got loads of different events on there. So I think, for instance, either tomorrow or even today, there's a um, there's a startup uh, pitching competition. So people are pitching to raise finance. It's called um, oh, what's it called? Silicon Gorge. So if you look up Silicon Gorge Bristol, you should be able to find the link. And I think it's all digital to um, this round. So you should be able to watch all those startups. And then the people that are putting that on, whether or not it's people like you know Bryony Phillips, who's part of that team, and at Rocket Makers, and, and there's a huge amount of people who are part of that Bristol ecosystem. Um, so if you just sort of turn up some of these events, you'll meet a lot of these people that you can then sort of start, you know, I guess, pushing your ideas in front of. Um, biggest difficulty or obstacle you've experienced during your time setting up the business? Uh, I, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of really tough moments. I think probably one of the toughest has been around, work, you know, I would say the biggest benefit is working with friends, but the toughest has probably been a conversation I've had to have with one of my closest friends when it wasn't quite working out. Um, and, you know, having to go through that process with someone you sort of really do love and care about and has been on a journey with you was, was certainly the hardest thing I've done to date in the business. Um, What's Bunk's business model? And how does it make money? Um, good question. So ultimately, for tenants, it's completely free. Um, you know, you can search, sign, secure, download, jump onto the platform. We don't monetize the tenant side of business at all. For landlords, it's all about reducing their costs, right? So at the moment, a landlord, even if they want to just find tenants and they're not even using a letting agent to manage their property, is going to spend almost a thousand pounds just to find you to move into their property. So ultimately, we've taken that and slashed it on its head. So we charge landlords £20 a month per property. And it's all about that sort of SaaS subscription model, really adding them value so they could cancel and run away if they wanted to. Um, but then for that, we don't just do the whole tenant find process and digitally all the contracts and deposits, but we also have a platform to help them manage it throughout the year. Um, for instance, with the full rent collection, maintenance reporting, um, etc. Um, is bunk for all rental properties and um, accessible to everyone? Would you consider a student app specifically students wishing to rent? Um, bunk started off as just a student app. Um, and to be completely honest with you, I think it was when we graduated and we realised we were raising money for this and we weren't going to be able to use the app because we weren't students anymore. Um, we were pretty fuming and worked out how to adapt it into a wider market. So, yeah, there's a very big sort of student angle to bunk. Um, and we're sort of building those journeys at the moment so it becomes much more clearer. So if you're a student, you go through a very student path. Um, but for instance, on all of our search functionalities, you can search whether or not you're a student or um, or a professional. Not a question, but I just downloaded your app. Thank you. Um, what's the thing that worried you most when you started up your own business? Oh, good question. I, I mean, it sounds really bad, but probably failure. Um, I think everyone's sort of, I guess, scared to fail a little bit. Um, and, and we were doing it with friends and I, I'd spent, every, I'd literally told everyone I knew about it for the last nine months beforehand that I was going to do this. So probably everyone in my whole entire network, friends and family would have turned around and be like, oh, you chat a lot of crap, don't you, Tom? Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think the benefit is, and what, I, what I'd say is that we're all young and I think it's the right time to be able to take these risks as well, um, to really throw yourself into it and learn something and really, really go on a journey. I think I've, I've got so much respect for people that do this when they've had, you know, when they've got young kids and they've got, they're throwing away real security to go on this journey. Um, I guess it sounds really bad, but I was lucky that I didn't have any of that security to start with. Um, you know, I was a student pretty much living out of a car, jumping between people's sofas. So, you know, Bunks provided me a lot of that security. What are the lessons that you've learned when creating your business? Oh, God, um, a lot. I, probably too many for me to be able to just list and go through. Um, but, you know, I wasn't a traditional, uh, you know, well-behaved student throughout my education. I've probably been expelled from schools when I was younger, given every other punishment under the sun. Um, and it's not that I was a, you know, really bad kid. I was just quite cheeky and like to muck around. Um, I guess, you know, going on the placement here at uni really helped me when I came back to university. I just loved learning. And I think that was the first time in my life that I actually enjoyed learning. And I was 
21 going into my final year of university. Um, so I wouldn't say you need a sort of traditional background going on this, but I've, I've learned that with a sort of smart group of friends, you can pretty much achieve anything. Um, I think the benefit of sort of doing the process of what we have done with Bunk and the journey we've gone on, I can now sort of dissect and look at pretty much any other business, any other market and sort of, I guess, look to the root of the problem and how someone can solve that problem. Um, so it's, I guess it's quite an interesting skill to pick up across wider markets and not just sort of the rental market. Um, since you work with friends, do you have team leaders or is it a group run organisation? Um, oh, good question. I wonder what the team would say on that. I mean, I, I would say, look, there's, there's definitely a management team that sets direction. Um, but I would then also say it's a group run organisation. Like anyone that's got an idea or a suggestion, they'll be heard, um, even if it's the best idea or the worst idea. And, you know, we, we encourage, it sounds weird, but I certainly would encourage failure a bit as well. Um, you know, if people aren't thinking outside of the box with sort of radical solutions, then they're not doing something right. And therefore, if they're doing these radical solutions, most of them aren't going to work. Um, and therefore, it's all about sort of iterating and failing quickly when you're working on stuff so that you can then get to the sort of, I guess, crux of the problem and get to the solution quicker. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say that there's there's certainly a few of us that run from a management perspective, but it, it's, you know, it's certainly an organisation that's contributed through to everyone. Um, yeah, you can download Bunk. Can you download Bunk on your app um, or phone for free or do you have to pay for it? So Bunk at the moment is, is fully available on iOS. On Android, you have to go on our on our website, unfortunately. Um, so if you're on Android, you can just head over to like app.rentbunk.com and that will hit you straight onto our, on our application as well. What do you think the single most important thing to keep in mind for year one students, university students to guide us in the right direction? Um, oh God, I need to make sure I say the right thing here. Um, Honestly, your first year of uni, I don't think it really makes difference to your first year, third year of uni, whether or not you're 30, 40 or 10 um, when you're starting a business. And I think that's certainly one thing I've learned on this journey is age doesn't really matter. I think experience of a problem really does matter. And I think, you know, I've met a lot of people who, who have, you know, aren't really looking for problems, but they've just got an idea that's a solution. You know, this would be cool. But yeah, but what's it fixing? Um, I think that's something to really, really bear in mind. But I think if you're first year, just just enjoy uni. You know, I, I, university is one of the best times of your life. You need to just go enjoy it and, you know, get a nice friendship group, work hard at your degree in your final year um, and make sure you sort of get, get through that experience. I think uni teaches you so much about yourself and, you know, you build up that resilience, that self-development, that ability to go in and start something. You know, without university and working on my degree, there is no way I would have the sort of ability to actually say, right, I'm going to go do this work and do it. Um, I think the other thing to that is, you know, office space has always been really important for us. Like we know that if we didn't have a space, we're all coming in and working and we were just sitting at sofas and on our beds trying to get things off, we wouldn't be working as hard. And by all being in that office and creating that environment, you really gain that momentum to get everything going. Would you ever consider going on Dragon's Den? Um, funnily enough, they actually asked us to go on Dragon's Den. Um, it'd be interesting. I mean, we're just closing this funding round now, so it would actually be quite a good time. But if if we went on Dragon's Den, we would go on there asking for more money than most people have ever asked them for, a valuation that will make all of them wince. Um, and they'll sit there and they'll spend half an hour ripping into my business and I'll spend half an hour telling them why they're wrong. And then if they invest off the back of it, fantastic. But then they probably wouldn't invest in our valuation. So I'd have to say no to them anyway. Um, so it'd be an awesome experience. And it's certainly something that might pop back up. But um, Generally, we might be a bit bit too far down the line now. Um, what's it, that one? How did you get a mentor? Um, I mean, funnily enough, again, through networking, it was through, I think it was actually, I, I went back in the summer and did some work for my old school, you know, one of those classic calling up people on the phones and asking them to donate, and then ended up talking to the lady who was running that, you know, camp, basically, that work during the summer. Um, and she was saying, oh, well, if you've got an idea, you should speak to this person because he likes, you know, he's an entrepreneur himself and likes looking at ideas. So she ended up putting me in touch and he sort of mentored me people in and around Bristol that are always more than happy to give you some time and talk through and give you some sort of mentorship to go on that. Um, or like I was saying, LinkedIn is literally one of the best resources. Like I've raised money off people cold off LinkedIn. I've closed deals off LinkedIn. We've met new people. We've hired people off LinkedIn. Like, it's a, it's you know it's a social media that can get you in front of everyone from a professional side of your life and not just the sort of social side of things. Um, in a couple of years' time, if Bunk becomes a self-sustained business, do you think you'd move on to something else? Uh, really good question. I mean, 
So I guess there's two ways of answering that. I never want to stop doing bunk. I love bunk and it's almost like my baby and I want to grow it into, you know, I want it to be a global organisation, not just the largest in the UK, but, you know, the go-to app for long-term renting across the world. Um, and that's not going to be a short-term journey. But, you know, assume I was already in that position. Yeah, of course I would. You know, I, I didn't grow up as a kid dreaming about the long-term rental sector. Um, you know, I've got various other dreams and aspirations. I guess I just experienced a real problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly in sort of, you know, five, ten years time, if, if Bunk's doing incredibly well, I'd love to have my fingers in a few different pies, whether or not that's, you know, investing or advising and helping other business get off the ground or having another, you know, two or three of myself. I, I generally love that whole process of starting up, looking at markets and really trying to build a solution to a problem. I wouldn't start a business, but I don't know where to start any advice. Um, I mean, I've probably covered that a few times. I yeah, get that get that get that idea down on paper, um, get it in front of people, get people critiquing it. Um, it's a hard one because depending on your idea, you want to talk to the person you'd be selling to, right? So if it's a consumer-based app that all of your friends are going to end up using if they like it, then go sit down with them, work out is it something they'd actually use. Um, now, don't get me wrong sometimes consumers don't know what they want. So there's a lot of, you know, studies out there to show, I mean, for instance, Apple, when they released the iPhone, people didn't, weren't out there saying, we want this touchscreen device to be able to do everything on, but they knew that they were going to lead a transformation across the sector. Um, so, you know, take what they say with a pinch of salt, but you'll certainly be able to, um, to, to get to the crux and work out if there's a real, you know, problem there to be solved. Um, amazing idea, very inspiring. Congrats, mate. It's that video you showed us online. It's not actually online. It's on a private hidden account at the moment. Um, but again, if any of you want access to it or want to, you know, want it, then um, connect me on LinkedIn and I can send you a link. And I think, I that's, think that's all we have time for. So, Tom, thank you so much. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit echo for myself, but um, that's absolutely inspiring. And anyone who's listening, don't, um, I've put a link over in the Q and A. Um, our innovation and enterprise can help if you want to start a business. Um, when Tom's talking about launch space, that's we have a launch space version for current students as well, where you can get uh, co-working arrangements and advice. So I recommend you uh, go have a look at that website. And I just wanted to thank Tom so much from the university for coming in and telling us his inspiring story. Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. For more information about the Inspire Me Lecture series, including other podcasts from the series, visit uwe.ac.uk slash study slash block dash zero slash inspire dash me.